Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us as we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here, Pat. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultants. That just means that we are experienced and educated in the realm of financial planning, and we are professionals, meaning that we've spent the last three decades in this industry working with people like yourself, and we're here broadcasting to be your financial advisors on the air or on podcast or... Yeah, and uh, when we speak of the podcast, I want to thank the listeners that listen to our podcast for uh, rating our show. Um, Our marketing people actually pointed out uh, to us that um, we have almost a five-star rating, and there's been almost 500 people that have... We do have a five-star rating. Is it five stars? Yes, it's amazing. Well, it can't be perfect five stars. Not everyone can. It rounded up. It must be 4.95 plus, I guess. It was 5.0 on Apple. They can't. There's Someone's got to... Look, I've been around for 58 years. Haven't They're, you been an Uber driver when they've got a five-star every once in a while? Okay. They exist. All we right. are well, uni- anyway. We are unicorns We thank well. you. Uh, we thank you for uh, listening and sharing our show with others, obviously, uh, these are selfish intents here because the more people that listen to our show, uh, the better it is for our show. And I think if you're listening at all. But I don't think it's it's a review, not a rating. Dude. Oh, okay. Review. It's a review. But if you listen to our show at all, we own an investment advisory firm. Scott and I are partners at Allworth Financial that we started 30 years ago. And we're practicing um financial advisors. We manage over $11 billion for clients in multiple states. And the reason I'm saying that is we do have our own agenda. We would like people to actually use our firm at some point in time. But in saying that... That's not the purpose of this program. That's not the purpose of this program. And there, quite frankly, there are people that, don't, that are so good at it, they don't need our help. And if you are one of those people... And you just what percentage of the population is that? In your honest opinion, oh, what that have uh, investable assets? Well, what percentage of the population actually do not think that? What less, percentage of the population, Pat, that think that you believe would do better on their own than with your advice? Ninety percent need an advisor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety percent. Yeah. I was going to say ninety-five percent. Yeah, ninety percent at some point in time, either episodic or forever. Right. Episodic means something comes up and they just have a couple of questions about how to manage that situation. So, as I was saying, the intent of our show is not to promote our firm, although if you love to use our firm, we'd love to talk to you. The intent of our show is to provide real world financial advice um, with situations that are not academic in nature. They're not theoretical. Right. <laughs> they're real. And. The reason I can say that quite comfortably is Scott and I have worked with hundreds. Thousands. Of, well, personally, hundreds and hundreds of clients. Yeah, all right, over the years. But thousands as a firm over the years. And so, and we've had thousands of conversations. We've had a thousand thousands. of these programs. Yes, yes, yes. So anyway, we'd like you to join the show. If you'd like to join the show, it's 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. Did you get that? Our marketing people figured out how to use worth in our phone number so that you'd remember all worth financial. <laughs> that is pretty smart. Uh, and before we take some calls here, it it is amazing how strong the stock market has been this year. Unbelievable. Scary. Scary. Scary unbelievable. Then again, the economy is doing much better than people had anticipated. So I... I, I, We're we're broadcasting from Lockdown, California. Yes. Sacramento. And just this week, being on the road, I couldn't believe how much traffic there was. It was like back to normal, both on the freeway as well as driving through town. Yes. Sometimes it takes you two lights, two green lights to get through the intersection because there's so many cars. It was like, felt like February of uh, 2020. But so when you look at the economy... Right. And remember, 
the stock market isn't the economy. The economy is not the stock market. But the economy's on fire and the stock market is on fire. And I wonder, is it all the just really cheap, cheap money? That's, well, that's what's driving up home prices. It's driving home prices. That's what's driving up. Well, when the bank pays you point zero. One and and what we're seeing is large Wall Street firms are buying blocks and blocks of homes. We didn't we haven't seen this at this level ever. But part of the reason is you remember you when you're buying a home, you're competing with a bunch of different parties. And you used to be competing against small people that would buy homes and turn them into rentals, or people that would occupy the homes or a second home. Now you're competing with large where someone will go in and buy two hundred, three hundred. 400 homes, 2,000 homes. Did you read about the one neighborhood that they it was? What home builder was it? They built an entire neighborhood and sold it to one investor. Actually, I know a guy that bought an entire neighborhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the entire neighborhood. And they, they said the margins, the home builder said the margins were about double what it would have been normally, the phenomenal margins. For them, because they could sell them off in one block, so they yes. didn't have the cost of distribution. And the person buying it can get really cheap financing on it. And the, the, the numbers, the, the numbers work out. The numbers work out. And when they go to liquidate it, which they will, it'll be a lot easier to sell them one, two at a time than a whole block. It's, it's, it's amazing. A, it's a time where everything is up in price. But don't you worry about like when you see like green sale capital blows up, which is this, you know, that was amazing. Debt financing, and then what was the other one? Arc Arquat. What was the name of the other one that blew up? Where oh, they, the uh, the Tiger Head Tiger Two guy. The, yeah, the hedge yeah, fund. Yeah, uh, that Arche was amazing. Arcus, which was absolutely amazing. So his, he had his, his his personal net worth went from eight billion to two billion in no matter of a, a week. But but don't you, don't you worry about? So you're seeing little cracks here and there. Right, I see those as little cracks. So those are risk cracks right there. That's what that was. Both of them, Grease Hill Capital was a risk crack, and uh, Tiger Two was a risk crack. They were much more highly leveraged than anyone had any uh, any belief of because they had multiple relationships with a variety of different financial firms using complex products. So when I look at the market, you worry about these risk cracks there, and then you realize – is this exactly how the investing public is supposed to respond, which is low interest rates, lack of alternatives, drives you into riskier assets? That's what the Fed's designed everything for. Right. And that, therefore, spurs the economy. Just don't get over your, don't get over your skis here. Don't get too excited. Make sure you have a balanced portfolio. This well, too shall end. And when things look scary, which they will again, don't react, assuming you've got the right kind of portfolio going in. This study that I just saw in the last couple of weeks, um, this was in Investment News, uh, it showed that 401k savers, those that tinkered with their 401k last year, made changes, did not fare as well as those who didn't. And the report said that those those people who self-directed their investments shifted to more conservative assets. Out, this is during right in the midst of the pandemic, early on in the pandemic, with an average decrease in equities stocks by 17 percentage points. Which is so they went from let's say 60 percent in stocks to 43 percent stocks. And what this meant as far as the total return, they estimated. This is a Morningstar report estimated underperformance by roughly 7.5%. Which is massive. Look, if you miss out on the good years, what are you going to do to make up for the bad years? But, but, Scott, they should have rebalanced their portfolio. They should have rebalanced their portfolio. Yeah, buy. But, but buy. So they should have picked you a— buy when things are cheap. They should have picked a 60-40, 70-30, 80-20, 90-10, you name the number, and— rebalanced up to that right now if you were at 60 40 at the beginning of the pandemic because that was what you determined your risk allocation should be you should rebalance now lowering your equity exposure lowering and the reason people don't like to do that is because i hear them say all the time it's, it's going so well it's doing so well it's doing well and you have to remember the mere fact that we can measure it means it did well. Past tense. 
There's no present tense in the stock market. It's past tense. Every price that is ever quoted was the last trade. The last one. That's right. It just reminds me of um, someone showing me pictures of the kid, and they go, "Didn't he? doesn't he look like he's getting older? And I'm like, well, by its very nature, every photograph you look at, you're going to be older. Because you're looking in the past, even if it was 10 minutes ago. That was my tempted humor. Oh, I didn't. I actually didn't even quite understand what you're talking about but on the picture. Anyway, let's go to some calls because uh, I know people would like to join us. 833-99-WORTH. Would love to take your financial question. Maybe someone's pitching you a product. Wondering if you should make this investment. Just call us for a second opinion. Would love to help. Or if you're thinking if it's the right time for you to retire, you structure properly. 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-99-WORTH. We're starting off with Chris. Chris, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott, Pat. Thanks for taking my call. Longtime listener. Love the podcast format. Thank you. Um, I think you should just make it a little longer instead of doing it for an hour. Maybe make it an hour and a half or two hours. It gets me through all my weekly chores. Well, you know, <laughs> but, uh, Chris, if we could keep Scott Hans's attention for more than an hour. I had a long drive a week or two ago. I listened to Joe Rogan's pro- podcast, the number one podcaster. They're like three hours. I'm like, who has time every week to listen to three hours? Anyway. Well, but that's the beauty of a podcast. You just hit that's pause, right. and then that's when you have more time, you just go back and listen yeah, to it. Yeah, but that's Chris, right. you're but. not doing the podcast. We are, and the longest we want to do is an hour. I work for a living, too. Hey, but uh, So I think I have an easy question for you, but with a lot of complex, probably, solutions. So uh, I am coming to an end of a CD ladder, and uh, – we had all these CD ladders started prior to COVID, and so obviously the interest rates were much higher than they are now. And so uh, we had a couple already come due. It's sitting in cash, and we have another a decent-sized one coming due the middle of May. And my question to you is, is what are you guys doing with cash these days? Because if you leave in the bank, and with the feeling that I have, I'm in, uh, I'm in industry, and I'm seeing what prices are doing on commodities, the stuff that we all use every day to build the products that everyone uses. Inflation's coming. I have a feeling – Inflation's coming, and so what are what are you guys recommending and to your clients? Of course, the challenge what, now. What let's say inflation's at running at two percent, which might be on the conservative side of things. But let's say it's two percent, and cash is earning, let's call it zero because it's so close. Yeah, to zero. pretty close to it. So that means every year your your accounts are dropping by two percentage points. So it, uh, in it, purchasing power. it's it's an interesting conversation. Uh, I can share with the, the earlier in the week, Scott and I actually had this conversation on a Zoom meeting with each other. Um, about it's a challenge about alternatives to cash, and uh, CDs are not attractive. In you could you could take that money right now and you go to Ally Bank or Synchrony and you could get. Well, let's dis- define first of all cash. Is, is money that you're going to need within five years. Yeah, and I, I – uh, so, so we kind of live fairly conservatively, but as far as cash as part of our overall portfolio, it's probably about 20%, maybe 20 25%. Um, we're good savers. We've got a lot of money saved up in 401Ks, IRAs, and brokerage accounts. How old are you? And this is uh, 51 years old. My wife is 54. And the kids' college, that's all funded, I assume? Yeah, I, I have one left in the nest. She's uh, getting ready to transfer off to four-year university. She's already done two years of junior college because of COVID and everything else. It just yeah, made boy. more sense for her to stick around home. So the, the challenge is anytime we move out of cash, we have to take on some element of risk or um, yep. lock up our money for periods of time. But even if a 10-year treasury today is one in – 1.7% ballpark. Yeah. But so the, if you were looking at cash, you could you could go to one of the big online but, but, banks. But if you're not going to be spending these dollars, my question is why why not buy a long buy five-year treasuries? And you know, that's what I'm kind of battling with, right? So it when you have so I mean essentially uh, it's just been money that we've just kept kept hoarding away and hoarding away and rolling over traditionally to CDs and CDs. And over the years, it's gone down, 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 up a little bit, down. And now it's just like nowhere. And I guess that's really the conversation I need to have. And, I mean, I could dump it in the stock market, put it in uh, dividend-paying stocks so that at least you're getting paid to be patient, even if things drop. Yeah, I wouldn't If there was the right that. companies, right, you could um, you know still get a yield on 
what you invested originally potentially. So, yeah, that's so um, to, to keep it in the, uh, a very similar but not identical investment that treats it as close to cash as possible, you could go to one of the big uh, online banks, Synchrony, Ally, uh, Goldman Sachs has a new one called, starts with Whatever. M, and you could get uh, 40 basis for or so, four-tenths of 1%. Three tenths of one percent, and the money's one hundred percent liquid. Or you could go and put it in an ultra short term bond fund, which invests in high quality corporate. Maybe get a and treasuries percentage point. Uh, yeah, uh, six tenths, seven tenths, maybe uh, depending upon how long in the bond. But if Scott uh, buying a five year treasury and comparing it to a CD ladder, I don't think is a fair comparison. You you mentioned a five year treasury. Well, twenty to twenty five percent is more cash than well. That, I'm, that's, that's not invested. That's a completely different conversation. So part of the challenge, Chris, you're asking us to answer a question that we wouldn't pose for ourselves. That's a complete unless no, you actually you. think that there are you were going to be an opportunistic buyer in something. With a portion yes. of those cash, you have too much money like, in cash as a percentage of a portfolio. We might no, be no, moving I mean, in a few years. We it, might right? want to buy. That's kind of a mental. That's kind of a mental thing, right? You got to get away from the fact that because I mean, as as we're sitting now, I mean, the, the amount of cash we have would probably sustain us easily for over ten years. Okay, well, that's too so, much cash. No, no, and, and and it has been, and there's been people that have told me over the years, you gotta you gotta get off that that entire entire mindset. But I felt comfortable with it when I was keeping up with inflation. But now that now the reality is setting in that that's right. my money is yeah. actually going to lose money, and now I, I it's kind of getting me off the fence to think about alternatives like like yep. you mentioned. Yep. So a, a couple of things I know you guys hate um, annuities mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys don't, aren't really big fans of life insurance um, as oh. a uh, hedge against taxes and that sort of thing. But at what point do you think that makes sense? Because obviously there's people that are still buying those. And at some point, they're being sold those. It, well, so, yeah, they come with commissions, high commissions, so they're being sold those. Sure. So, so you, you, now, in in all fairness, there are annuities out there, a small percentage of the population that uh, may make sense. I wouldn't buy a fixed annuity in this environment, just flat. Because it's out. no different than buying a long term bond in this. That's environment. right, and you and you right. and you don't need that. Um, I, I don't think there would be a situation now with the, the pricing of annuities that I would buy a variable annuity. Life insurance, uh, if you had a life insurance need and you were using it properly, which is you were funding up to up to the modified endowment contract limits, um, mm-hmm. then uh, perhaps. I, if you, perhaps if you went and bought a really inexpensive, but if you're going to be in a variable load, life insurance, something you might as well just own a. Assuming you have the life insurance, if you need the life insurance for a long period of time, but he doesn't need it. No, no, it, it would be strictly an investment. I mean, I mean well, then I wouldn't buy it for I that. Mean, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't buy yeah, it because for that. through through work we've got cheap term term insurance. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and when I'm done working, that assumes that my kids are gone and my wife will be taken care of whether I'm here or not. So, so you you are uh, the, this is exactly why the Federal Reserve re- reduced interest rates. Whether or not they should have yeah, kept him this low this long, that's another question. Or even brought him this low. It's just the way – if you look at the way that the, the world kind of panicked with the early days of COVID and the lockdowns and stuff, the same thing essentially happened in both monetary and fiscal policy, right? All these spending yeah. bills that came out that really weren't thought, that well thought out. We've got the Federal Reserve drops interest rates to zero, goes on this big buying spree in the in the marketplace, buying all kinds of bonds to push down longer term interest rates, and it's causing investors like Chris, who normally would have been comfortable at least my money's keeping pace with inflation. That's all I really care about. At least it's stored. Now you're starting to say, what the heck should I do here? Because the policies that the government has now put in place is causing me to go backwards every year on my cash investments. But that won't be like that forever. So you might have to take a hit for a year or two. So the answer to the question is ultra short-term, low-cost, low-cost, ultra-short-term bond, even a short term, it doesn't have to be all. That's a short. better cash alternative, I think. Yeah, or for what you're trying to do, or or go to one of the online banks, and there, you'll see no principal fluctuation in an online bank with an ultra short or short term bond. Bit. There'll be a little bit, not a lot, but a little, and they invest in high quality corporates and U.S. governments, and that's yeah, where I so go. Like on the on the bond funds, though, now those will go inversely if they raise rates. Yeah, but, right? yeah, but if they're ultra short term, you get the ultra. Yeah, so ultra I, short I was looking at one yesterday from a big fund company, and it had an average maturity of thirteen months. 
Okay, shoot. Okay, and uh, and the yield on it was uh, what was the yield on it? Uh, the yield on it was uh, I own one for fees. cash equivalent, but I don't remember what the yield is. It was uh, six. It's it was about terrible. six tenths of a percent. It's terrible. It was a little bit better. Yeah. But I tell you, so Chris, just personally, I have done CD ladders, and then as they matured, I've gone into bond funds, short-term bond funds, and then a year yeah. later, I'll be back into CDs. It's just wherever the opportunity exists. Yeah, and that's and I think that's kind of what the conclusion I was coming to in my head as well. Yeah. It's just uh, it's, it's just a weird environment. But like I said, I mean, from what I'm seeing with this with the stuff that I deal with on a daily basis, I mean, if inflation isn't coming, I mean, I don't know what, when well, it would. Oh, because, well, yeah, correct, I mean, right? That's why you want to own the it's thing across that, the board. Yeah, it's not one commodity. I mean, it is everything right now. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And some of that you wonder if it's supply chain or if it's well, just, that you shut down the you shut down the supply market. The whole the, the distribution chain. Yeah. You wonder if it's supply chain or if it's cost of labor or a combination. It's probably a combination of multiple things. So yeah. anyway, hey. remember, the reason you've, you've got as far as you've gotten with your money is because you were patient and persistent. You weren't yeah. stupid. You didn't do anything rash. Yeah, don't do anything rash now, like buy an annuity that you can't get your money out for 10 years. <laughs> we wish you well, Chris. Let's talk with Phil. Phil, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good afternoon, guys. How are you? Wonderful. Good, good. Well, thanks for taking my question. Um, I'm looking for a second opinion on a retirement decision I have to make, which is a full annuity versus um, uh, reduced annuity and 25% in the form of a lump sum. And I'm talking about a, this is a this is for a, a, a lifetime pension that's giving you an option of taking a portion of the lump sum. From your employer, yes, exactly. Okay. And is it exactly. only twenty five percent? Is the or do they have uh, levels fifty, seventy five, or one hundred percent? Yeah, it could it could be um, any of the above, but uh, you want to uh, take at least twenty five percent in the form of an annuity to preserve your health insurance. Okay, oh, I got that it. was it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, right. So I um, want to know what your opinion is of the decision. Just a couple quick background facts before we talk about numbers. The reason I'm thinking of doing this is I don't have my primary mortgage paid off, and we have two houses and big mortgages on both of them. So I would feel comfortable if I had that 25% set aside, kind of ties into the prior caller. I wouldn't worry about inflation. I'd put in something very safe, and I would sort of like stack that up against the the mortgage on the primary residence and use that to pay it down. So it's let me just – let so you would take that – Put it into separate IRA, and have have money come out of the over a period of time to pay the mortgage is, down. Oh, and I'm confused too. Is it 25 percent in pension and 75 percent in lump sum, or the other way around? It's the it's the other way around. It's 25 uh, percent pension. Uh, pardon me, 75 percent pension and 25 yeah. percent lump sum. I mean, I don't have any real problem with that with that strategy, provided that the plan wasn't to take the money out. Uh, all at once, because it'll push you. It'll be treated as taxable income in one year and push you into higher tax tax rates. You'll end up paying more in taxes than you would if it was distributed over a number yeah, of years. So, what what is the lump sum? The lump sum, and we need to qualify it because there's an IRS limitation that's affecting oh, it. Four fifteen. The lump, yeah, the lump sum is seven hundred twenty six thousand five hundred. Okay. Um, and without the lump. The annual, or the monthly amount will be fifteen thousand six hundred. Okay. Uh, the reduction it drops it down to eleven thousand seven hundred. Um, so if I look at that kind of from the reverse point of view, purchasing an annuity, giving up thirty nine hundred a month or forty six thousand eight hundred a year in exchange for a lump of seven hundred twenty six five. Mm -hmm. And apparently there's a rule of thumb out there: sixteen should be around sixteen times. It's a little bit under that. Um, and it is quite a bit reduced by the 415B yep. limitation. I believe it would be about 844000 if it. it weren't for that cap. And what do you owe on your mortgage? Well, um, between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, between the two of them, let me see here. Um, 515 on one and 452 on the other. Okay. Uh, the, the, the bright side is. Both of those are under forty percent LTV. Got it. So nine sixty seven. just how it, old this, are you? This lump sum doesn't seem like a net present value. It feels like a, I don't know. It feels like a cash balance plan or something. It doesn't seem like a good trade off to me. Well, it, uh, do you say that because it seems like it should be higher? 
Yes, relative to the. I mean, if you told me, no, so, Scott, it's, so it's a difference between the two. It's four thousand dollars a month. It's thirty nine hundred a month. That's the difference between the two. The seven hundred twenty six thousand. That is that the full lump sum. Yeah, it yeah. only represents seventy. It only represents twenty five percent of the pension. Right. That's why the numbers are there. The seven twenty. Oh, so you're look. Okay, got it. So it's a thirty nine hundred. It's thirty nine hundred dollars a month. I was confused there. I, I, yeah, I thought. Wait a minute. Your option's fifteen grand a month in pension yeah. or seven hundred twenty five thousand. Yeah, yeah. So it's thirty nine hundred dollars a month, uh, or seven twenty six is what it, is what the the hurdle rate um, needs to be. So yeah, that. But Phil, so we're gonna go to a break because we, we have a hard break. We have for a hard break, but we want to continue this conversation because you've got a couple really big decisions to go, uh, oh, and. We've got, uh, and probably some of the biggest financial decisions you'll ever make in your lifetime. So uh, we're going to. Yeah, stick around for more uh, All Worth's Money Matters. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Uh, we were talking with Phil, and Phil is trying to figure out what to do with uh, this pension. Um, he has an option of taking a portion of a uh, quite substantial pension, uh, taking a portion of it in a lump sum, thinking about taking a, that portion, taking 25% of the lump sum, and using it to help pay down some mortgages on some homes. So, uh, so Phil, right, just, Phil, yeah, it is. And just to run the key numbers again, so we're clear. Thank you. The full the full annuity is fifteen thousand six hundred. That's month. right. The partial annuity annuity is eleven the seventy five percent annuity is eleven seven hundred per month, and the lump is seven twenty six five. And these are all hundred percent joint survivor numbers on the annuity. And what's the what's the dollar amount over the seven twenty six that is the four fifteen limits? You know, um, the closest I can get to that is the analyst was telling me that it without the limitation it would be eight hundred and forty five thousand. Okay, so that's the number we're going to actually use, and and the reason is what when you're determining whether to take a lump sum or a pension. You actually calculate what we call uh, an internal a hurdle rate, which is what kind of rate of return do I need on that money in order to provide that same amount of pension? Th- when you look at this lump sum, you have to keep the eight forty five. Some of it's going to uh, obviously one hundred nineteen thousand is going to come to you as taxable income immediately, and seven twenty six is going to be rolled over into an IRA. But it. No, but- I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't think that's right. The the issue is. Eight hundred forty-four thousand eight hundred forty-five. That's what it would be if they used the rate structure they would use for um, for people in a lower kind of like a lower um, income category, right? They're using a rate structure of five point five, five point five, and five point five, and that is required by the IRS. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So your internal rate of return is about five and a half percent. The hurdle rate. The hurdle rate. Assuming you maintain your principal. And do you have a normal life expectancy? Yes, I would say so. And is this a joint survivor? Yes. Yes. And your your spouse has a normal life expectancy? I believe so, Okay. Yeah. What are the mortgage balances? Uh, the, mortgage between balance. the two, 967. How old are you? Um, 65. Are you going to go back to work? No. I like the cons. I'd actually like your concept. Let's take 25% of the lump sum. Let's put it in an account. Let's invest it pretty conservatively. Let's have the mortgage payment come out of that. Maybe it'll pay for it for the next 15, 20 years. Worry about whatever balance is left on the homes and how way much, down the road. How much money do you have outside of this amount in either your I'm gonna, your 457 or 401k? I'm guessing it's probably a 457. Well, you know, 457s, 401ks, both myself and uh, my wife, um, about $3.6 million. Oh, perfect. Oh. Great idea. Take it 25%. I don't. What? Uh, is there any cost of living on this pension? Well, it's a funny formula. It's basically... You work for a uh, um, uh, university? 
No, actually. I actually live in Davis, but it's not a university. Oh, okay. Uh, um, it, it has a, every year after 65, you get a 1% single payment. So 65, 1%, 66. Every year? Yeah, it doesn't compound or anything. It's just a simple 1%, 2%, 3%, oh, so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, so they and there's just... also, I should tell you, there's one more wrinkle, which is there. there is a beneficiary benefit. You know, in the worst case where, um, you know, we both went down in a plane, the survivor, the beneficiaries would get, um, it's a little complicated. For the first 120 months, there's this benefit, and you say after um, after five years, after 60 months, if we both pass, they would get a, a lump sum representing the present value of the remaining 60 months of oh. payments. If that got it. Got it. Um, so it's got a 10 year. It's not either way. It's not going to. It's got a 10 year certain on it. Um, so, by the way, this is one of the nicest pensions, and I've been doing this for about 30 years. This is a nice pension, just the way they give you the options, the dollar amount. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what your income is, um, so I don't know whether it's good relative to your income or not. But the options that they give you, I would take the 25% uh, rollover. I would take the 25% rollover. At 5.5, I mean, it's a roughly, think about your, the pension's worth about $3 million bucks, right? 726 times four, but worth about $3 million, and you got 3.6 in savings. So if you're taking, instead of rolling, instead of having that entire $3 million, which should be, Forty-eight six percent or so of your overall savings, uh, you're taking three. Uh, you're taking two and a quarter, so you're reducing the percentage of your essentially your retirement savings that's going to buy an immediate annuity. Which yes, and and one hundred percent comfortable in the twenty five percent. Yeah, I am too. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can make arguments both ways. I'm, but but I'm, I've got a couple more questions. You're Social Security eligible, correct? Uh, will be soon. You want to take it as soon as you possibly can. You and your your spouse. If they're going to cut back Social Security benefits, Phil, there's a picture of you in Congress, and they're looking at you. <laughs> what 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 about the strategy of taking uh, turning on uh, the lower earner um, as soon as Maybe. eligibility? I would I would run the numbers. I'd, I'd run the numbers the other ones till seventy. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I'd I run the numbers. It depends what the. the, the I, 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 I think there's too much legislative risk, Scott. I, I mean, look at. The year twenty thirty, the the trust funds. Um, his bust. his his pension's going to be, yeah, right. That's an easy. You're an easy target. This is a pension. We're not talking about. You have a pension over a hundred thousand. Yeah, here. and then you've got and then you've got IRAs that over uh, investable assets that over four million. You're between your IRAs. I, 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 quite I mean, frankly, just the minimum distribution at age seventy is going to be one hundred and fifty grand, one hundred and sixty grand, which isn't uh, seventy two, which isn't 72. far away. So I. Look, I would. I would do the same. I would I'd worry run the about, numbers first. I, you could do the math and run the numbers. The risk that you should worry about is legislative risk. Not uh, you're going to miss something. It's that they're going to take something away from you. Because that's, that's why I need to find a, a financial planner and start working on uh, Roth conversions. Well, that's actually so. We actually just did a uh, we just did a, a factoid that we're going to run in a couple of weeks, and we talk about the golden window between the ages of your retirement. Over age 59 and a half and 72. Which, by the way, doing those Roth conversions, that throws another wrench into social, in your social security equation. So, I mean, the, the, I, the way you need to plan this is you run diff, multiple scenarios, look yeah. at the probabilities for each, and then make the best informed decision possible. And I assume you've refinanced your mortgages into these low interest rates. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty low, although um, I I was a little slow because of being real busy with work and things like that. And also, um, I really like my servicer, um, which might sound crazy, but they're pretty decent. I think that does sound crazy. Said no one ever. (laughs) 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 Send him a thank you note. It's going to be the first ever received. I I like my service mortgage servicer. Well, I've had some bad experiences in the past. Oh, yes. So. Haven't we all? Yeah. Um, but obviously, it would make sense for you to sit down with a qualified advisor uh, and actually do the Social Security planning and the Roth conversion planning at exactly the same time. Yes, absolutely. Right. All right. Well, thanks all for right. your help. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, hey, wish you well. Congrats. You've done well. Yep, for sure.
Let's uh, talk now with Kurt. Kurt, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. How are you guys doing? Wonderful, Kurt. Good, good. Hey, I was uh, calling just because I uh, had some questions about Roth conversion. Um, I'm kind of in a higher tax bracket the last few years and have been resistant to biting the bullet and converting some. I have a, currently most of my retirement money in tax-deferred accounts. How old are you? And it, I'm 57 and thinking about possibly retiring in three to four years. And my wife is a year older, but she probably will work another three to four years beyond that. And what's your current income, approximately family income? Approximately 500000 And what's the amount in your uh, qualified plans, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs? Uh, $1.8 million approximately. Okay. And I, do have a, I do have a current Roth conversion I did a few years ago that or between the two of us, uh, it's about two hundred and sixty-five thousand. And what? What? Why? Why? Why do I want to do a Roth? Or no, am I yeah, why did you do it, and why are you considering it today? I'm considering it now just because I'm trying to lower my taxes later, I guess, or get it done now. And I've got some concerns that potentially What's, the taxes will be going up. What state do you live in? I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And do you plan on living in uh, California forever? Probably so. Okay. Not really sure, but. I personally would not be inclined to do any Roth conversions at that I, I, level. I can't. I can't. You're already pushing. You're not quite at the max for California, but dang close. It, you're not quite at the max for federal government. And you're going to retire. You're going to re- your family income is 500000 And you talked about retiring in three to four years. And then your wife after that, that is the time that you would actually start yes. considering the Roth conversion. So did someone give you advice to do the Roth conversion before? No, no. Okay. Uh, what I've been doing is kind of holding off, like you're saying, thinking my window would be when I retired and before she did. But I also know that our income then, I approximate, I think it'll be somewhere between 250 and 300 then. So it won't be, it'll be lower, but it's not going to be like really low. Oh, but wait, that's, wait, that, wait, where's the income going to, when you both retire? Do you have other forms of income other than work? Um, my wife will have a pension that'll pay about seventy five hundred a month. Oh, okay. Uh, and then just money from investments and yeah. taxable accounts yeah. and that you, kind of thing. You you can look when when and of this five hundred thousand dollars in income, what percentage is yours and what percentage is your wife? Um, I would say that uh, 75%, seven, 60 to 75% is mine. Okay, so 300. But here, the, 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 the tax rate's very progressive. It's graduated, right? So if your income's almost nothing, you pay no income taxes. Half of Americans pay zero federal income taxes because of the way the tax structures work. But as you start making more, the tax rate, currently the top rate's 36%. But right... The, uh, taxable income between 100 for married couples between 170 roughly 170 thousand and three and a quarter is at 24 percent. From right. three and a quarter to 400s at 32 percent. Then it goes up from there. So there's a high probability you're going to be in a right now you're in the higher tax rate. There's a high probability that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you quit working. Right. So that would be the year. But also they're talking about. Or, you know, nobody knows, I realize. It's going to go up. Yeah. The question is, how much is it going to go up? And so what you... And there's no guarantee that Roths are going to be free of tax, uh, any sort of other taxation. Or what happens if they add a VAT tax and it totally throws all our tax tax. There used to be excise taxes on large 401 So, But the the reality is, let's say even if if tax rates went up by, uh, you know, 5% for you, you're still... At this income level, driving yourself up into a higher, paying at the highest marginal tax rate, where right. if you wait until you could do the planning when you when you retire and your wife continues to work, that would be the first window. And then the second window is when you both stop between those ages and age 72 when the required minimum distribution takes place is when you would actually, and as our last caller, you would put Social Security planning in around that. Um, right. But I can't I could not uh, no make an argument for any reason in the world. You're in a 35 percent federal tax bracket. And if your income was three hundred thousand, you'd be in a 24 percent tax bracket. So. You, right. You, unless so, you really like what the government's doing with your money. I, no, I don't love it at all. But I've been just sort of worried as, I, uh, 
you know, you hear, start hearing how everything yes. seems to be going up, especially in California yes. on the on the uh, those taxes. I just thought about. Yeah. But should I be moving por- portions of it in? We like, would not Kurt, recommend it. Half a million within the next three to five years Kurt, over to that. Kurt, you said it right. Yep. You used the word worry, which is an emotion. Right. Right? <laughs> I have no emotional attachment to your money. You have an emotional attachment <laughs> to your money. <laughs> yeah. And be- you called us to say, what do you think? It's all, it's all about probabilities of outcome. And And what right. we know is that uh, your chances of actually ending up with more after-tax income, you're better to wait based upon all the known facts, including we could bake in, in our analysis, we could bake in a tax increase and still show you how much the tax increase would have to go up at what marginal rates in order for you. Well, I do, and I just, what is 20, why did you close the well, thing? I I know, but let's say taxes went up by 5%, you'd still be better off waiting. Well, right now he's, his tax rate's about fifty percent higher. That's right. Um, than it would be when you're in, when you once okay. you quit working. Yes. Let me let me ask Federal. you one thing that's related. So I hear you. That, that sort of confirms what I've been doing, and maybe I've been making the right decision. We did. I just realized my wife has the option of she has a four fifty seven at work, and it's just been I guess deferred. But we just realized. We didn't know, but it could. We, she has the Roth option, and we were just shifting it to Roth to kind of build that up. But you think that's even I a mistake? Huh? I I participate I in a pre-tax four hundred one k. I would not do it. Okay. You okay. know, it, look, you're you're living in. You, do you have children? Yes. Okay. Two it, daughters that are adults. And do they have children? No. Okay. So let's say the grandchildren move to Austin, Texas, or um, or Yuma, Arizona, or whatever, and all your grandkids are there. There's a chance that you would leave California to be close to your sure. grandchildren. Yeah. Right? And what we yes. know historically is the tax rates in Texas, Nevada, Washington, Florida, we could go on and on. I could name almost 48 states that have lower tax rates than California. Right. Right? So <laughs> uh, those things are going to happen. And we talk about probabilities of outcome. You should take advantage of every tax deduction you possibly can on it. Grow all your money as tax deferred as you possibly can at this time. I would agree. And okay. And you did that Roth IRA conversion. Yeah. Well, that was enough. I mean, <laughs> if you had okay. 18 million in your IRA, it might be different. Right. Yeah. You're actually, you're, okay. you're way too young to have 18 million. It, it was at one point in time that Not you if they bought like Bitcoin. Oh yeah. Or if you're Mitt Romney. <laughs> Yeah, Mitt Romney had he had it in his Roth, yeah. like a hundred million. Yeah, wow. Anyway, well, private equity. There's a way they can. Yeah. Anyway, but for does that answer your questions? Yeah, I think so. You've kind of yeah. I guess I'm confirmed. You're you've confirmed that I've been doing it right, or I haven't uh, been making a mistake. I yeah, just you, thought I'd been blowing it. So. No, 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 no. And you, but you did convert some money to a Roth already. Yeah, and it yeah. was at a fairly high rate. Okay. But it was a few years ago. Then I've been on pause. No, don't. And yep. I just got to thinking I was making a mistake. Yep. Yep. Don't. No. Don't. 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 Don't do it anymore. Okay. Yeah, and All and right. when you get ready to do, when you're getting closer to retirement, it may make sense for you to reach out to a qualified advisor to actually do some planning, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you go in to do the Roth conversions. Because yes. I I do have the concerns, or I figured uh, legacy, leave you know just that would sure be nice to leave that. Roth stuff to the girls later if maybe, I won't need but it they really. odds are odds are, I'm just saying odds are they're not going to have careers that are bringing in five hundred thousand dollars a year when you pass right. away, which means they'd be yeah. in a lower tax bracket. Which means that you'd want to pass those dollars in without um without the Roth. You want to do it on qualified, right? I got you okay. because they're in it. One of the things you look at when you do the planning is is the beneficiary's marginal tax rates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he can easily plan around that too. So let's say you have a daughter that's making four hundred thousand and a daughter that's making fifty thousand. You leave the qualified uh, pre-tax dollars to the daughter that's making the um, uh, right? right the low amount sure. and the Roth money to the one that's making the high amount, and you adjust accordingly. I see. That's yeah. you know part yeah. of the financial planning process. Okay. And you explain that really well to the beneficiary, so they're not frustrated. Well, like, yes. what the heck's like going why on did here? she get? Why is? And then you, all you have to tell them is, they've always been my favorite but child. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Kurt. <laughs> they've always been my favorite. Okay, guys, thanks I appreciate, a lot. I appreciate it. My favorite. Yeah, well, you're my, my my favorite child. On 
but you bring up a great point on it's really about who is going who's whose tax returns are going to fall upon. And I remember years ago I had uh, some clients they had about a million bucks in their retirement account somewhere there maybe it was a million and a half somewhere in there. Um, both getting older. And they had two children. Uh, both were highly professional. That had high, in, very high incomes. They were in a much higher tax bracket than this couple was. So, while the Roth conversion would make no sense for them in and of itself, we're like, we need to take advantage of your lower tax rates today because this is going to be money that your kids are going to be. Yeah, so inherited. you did it with the clients. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, that's actually, that's good planning, Scott. You know, I uh, we talked about children and explaining it to children. So we had a conversation. My wife and I did some uh, estate planning recently. And so um, I have four children. They're all great kids, I'm, as I'm what sure yours are, you gonna say? are too. If one is a punk right now. <laughs> <laughs> but get it publicly come but, out and say, but, I don't really like that. Uh, but some have middle one. more education in, in finance than others, right? Doesn't or mean more driven in certain areas. Yeah, They're but, all different, right? But, so, but we're naming our trustees right now. You're the trustee on my estate, Scott. So if something happens to my wife and I, I think you've known that. But my kids are of age now. We're, we're handing off the responsibility to the kids because – you know, one of them's got a degree in economics, the other one's in business degree, so they're, they're moving along. So we're having the conversation, like, who should be the trustee? What a can, can of worms that opened up. Like, well, why did they get to be the trustee? I'm like, well, you know, their background's a little bit more in, around numbers and this and this, and they're like, well, that doesn't sound fair. I'm like, it, it's not a matter of fairness. Because the trustee doesn't get to decide they get no, more. No, just because. no, that's not, maybe that's still a, an age thing where they don't quite understand that the yeah. trustees has a legal duty to put the interest of the beneficiaries above. Yeah. So uh, the the end of the story is at the end of the discussion with uh, about who our trustee is, uh, Mr. Hanson. You're still my still trustee. trustee. Yeah. Well, you're the trustee as well. So of, of my estate, well. should I? Which is important, by the way, if you're doing estate planning, is to spend some time actually talking about the responsibilities of the and trustee you, and who it should be. And, and it doesn't have to be a family member. No, but it's best, It's best. I, my opinion, it's best to have an individual, someone that you're close with. I dealt with just recently, in the last two weeks, conversation with somebody, uh, inherited some money. Some, this independent, this small little tax firm was listed at, at a trust division, was listed as the trustee, uh, essentially indefinitely on this. And then... This person was trying to figure out, how do I get the money back out of this? I don't want this with this trustee anymore. And you have to petition the court. Yes, and- that's exactly it. It became messy. Uh, messy quick. All right, let's continue on here with calls. 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Jack. Jack, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Yeah. So my question is, I am graduating college tax-free. And I was wondering you. if I should thanks. I was wondering if I should live at home for a couple of years in order to save up to buy a house or if I should rent right away after college. Um, so I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Do you want to live at home? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm fine with it. So yeah. it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. But at the same time, I know I wouldn't be getting, you know, the same freedom that I would be if I like rent somewhere else. And do your parents want you living at home? Yeah, they've said that they're fine with it as well too. If do they, they decide to. I'm fine with lots of things my kids do. The question yeah. was, do they want you to? How are they going to tell them that? Yes. I've told my kids. Yeah, they said, you want your kids living with you? No, I told, I've got four of them. I told three of them. <laughs> they can't. One of them, they can't. Well, one's a girl, the other a boy. I told my daughter she could yeah. live in all of them. We were at dinner one night. I said, you boys, don't. don't." Yeah, this is a double standard. Don't come back, but my daughter could live yeah. there. Um, well, look, from a financial standpoint, live at home forever. But, but, yeah. but look, but, you, but, how, old I'm are you? How, how old are you, Jack? Uh, 22. Did you get a job yet? Yes. So and, and, I'm going to have one like right after college. And how much does this job pay? So I don't know exactly yet because I haven't had that conversation, but I'm assuming it's going to be around like 40000 to 45 a year. Do what makes your heart – you're 22. Really, yeah. in the scheme of, of, of I wouldn't life, be in that much of a rush to buy a I, house. I wouldn't be in a rush to buy a house. You don't actually know where you're going to end up. 
Uh, your career could right. take you lots of places. You might go on and go to graduate school. If you want to live with some friends, move in with some friends. Enjoy life. You're 22. I didn't move back. Yeah. Um, I had um, I, I I was so broke when I moved to Sacramento six months after I graduated college. I was renting a bedroom, three hundred dollars a month. It's been a few years, so maybe it'd be the equivalent of six hundred bucks a month or something today. Uh, yeah. There were some months I didn't have the money to make the credit card. I mean, the um, uh, rent I used a cash advance on my credit card, but I was betting that I was going to the business I was building was going to turn into something, and that's the time of life to do those yeah. sort of things. So, I so the right. most important thing you should do is maximize your four hundred one k four hundred three b as soon as you retire or as soon as you start your I'm job. Retired. You should go one hundred percent equities in it. Start saving money on the side. But if 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 you think it, you're going to experience life better. I, by- and look at the financial aspect is one piece of life. Living on your own. Yeah. Have you have you been living at college? You've been living at home. Yeah, I lived in uh, the dorms okay. for like the first year of college. And then after the dorms, lived where? Uh, at home, mostly yeah. due to COVID. I, so I mean, if you're asking me, yeah. like as a mid fifties guy, uh, like what my opinion would be, move move out. out. If you're asking me as a financial okay. advisor, stay, at stay home. with your parents till you're 70. Yeah. Okay. Right. Makes sense. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, congratulations. I'm sorry. Are you going to be able to walk? Are you walking? Uh, yeah. We oh, actually have a graduation this year, which is great. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a real one with people in the yeah. audience and everything. Yeah. It's going to be outside and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. All appreciate right. the call. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. My, my son is graduating Thanks. from a UC school. And? Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to walk. Awful. It just... Anyway. But my eighth grader... You're all I can tell. You're looking at Patty's line. Like, this poor kid. I mean, he's graduating with almost... Like, he's, he's worked a- so hard. And you're like, ah. And he's like, I, we're like, well, you know, want to have a party? Well, I don't know, you know? And we're like... You know, our ceremonies. Anyway, every every, every society since the beginning of time have had celebrations, ceremonies, remembrances, banquets, all that stuff. Yeah. So and you're uh, eighth grader. They're doing a um, uh, uh, a parade. Okay. <laughs> which I'm happy about because I don't have to sit out there and listen to someone jab on for a while. I just got to drive the car. <laughs> Anyway, we're out of time. Uh, You can find us at allworthfinancial.com, allworthfinancial.com. And uh, there's something we were supposed to talk about. Anyway, we're out of time. We'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.